Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. Thanks for the applause, but can we give Jesus an applause? Is that right? Is anybody else delivered from shame? I remember shame used to hold me back until I got a revelation of how much God loved me and I used to be in a place of anxiety and confusion, but God brought tremendous clarity and hope in the future. It's just wonderful. And to think that people would say those terrible things about you, Twinkie. You should go and, we'll go and bash them, all right? <laughs> so, you know, I just, it's been terrible. All right. Yeah, in love, of course, you know. There is a thing called a five-fold ministry. And I'm starting off really poorly, aren't I? But I feel really comfortable. <laughs> feels like family here. It doesn't, is that right? Can, can we sort of preach and talk a bit today without... You don't need me to warm me up with jokes for five minutes and, and impress you. Like, do you want me to dance? Or I know I can click my heels. Yeah. Like that, is that right? Is that, yeah. And thank you, to, <laughs> thank you to Pastor Beck and for Andrew for your um, love and just our trust and our great relationship. What you guys are building here is quite awesome. And even as I've been walking around today and just I follow your social media and everything's on social media is true, isn't it? But there's a sense of God is doing something quite different here. Andrew and Beck are different leaders. I've been around church 30 years plus. I do coaching, consulting. I'm in and out of churches. This is a different kind of church. God's doing a really good, unique work in this church through you and through and through different types of leaders who've been shaped wonderfully for this wonderful season. So thank you guys for being who you are and being true to the lane that God has asked you to run into. So I, I just have this sense here of you've shown me through rooms, there's expansion and you've got ideas for property and stuff. It's great to have an entrepreneurial, future-focused pastors. So well done. Can we just give these guys a round of applause? I'm serious about that. If you're looking for another friend, you find them on Facebook. If you find a good man or woman of God, love them and support them. Because can I just say, they're really rare. They're really rare. You know, there are more people out of ministry who used to be in ministry than there are in ministry today. It's a terrible, it's, 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 a, it's a wonderful call, but it's, it's, a, it's lots of risks. So can I encourage you to pray for your pastors, lean in. And he hasn't paid me to say, say any of this stuff. I just really, I love the local church. I want to bring a message through that filter today, all right? I can't believe my life at the moment. I get to lead a ministry and leadership training college in this season of my life, and um, the the college is paying for me to do some doctoral studies part-time, how I fit that in. I don't know. It's just amazing. But it's it's about the relationships and partnerships with churches, good men and women of God. Pastor Andrew is one of our lecturers for year one. He gets great results, great scores from the students. They love him. They see his pastoral heart, but he prepares well. And he, and he does the hard yards behind the scene, as do all of our lecturers. So they're loved and respected. I know this at college, you, you, you're studying with a group of like-minded people and they're almost like friends of your destiny and you, you grow together and you grow in a nutrient-rich environment. And, and so we've got a range of courses which you saw up the end there. But I, I'd encourage some of you, instead of just trying to maybe fit God in, for some of you in the next two to three years, why don't you plan your life to maybe give God a year, to, to seriously 
getting your doctrine right, to get some good foundational knowledge in your life. You look like, I look around this group, you're pretty smart looking people. I reckon, you know, a bit of Bible reading here, a bit of study here, a bit of a course there. Over the next 10 years, you'll meander towards a, a level of understanding and knowledge which will be useful. But we've worked as a team, you can almost like compress that into 10 months if you decide to give God a year. At the same time too, there's professional people in this room. This is what my wife did. One subject on a Monday night, eight units, did it in four and a half years. Walked across with a diploma and literally her life has been transformed to another level of usefulness and service. Got clear thinking. I don't know about the world around you. The world I live in looks a bit dark and a bit scary sometimes. And I grew up in a world where the Bible was considered true all the time. Everyone would believe it. Now people get a version of truth off Google, and I'm not sure, is it true? Not everything on the internet is true. And some of the stuff I hear preached in churches makes my hair curl sometimes. And I think we need a group of people who, who know God, who understand his ways, who understand his purposes. That's how this city, this church will begin to impact on this city. Do I get an amen? Amen. Oh, ouch. After you hear me preach, you're going to say, when are you going to bring Pastor Andrew back? Can I know this? Have you ever met a bad Andrew? I don't know. Have you met? Have you, Pastor Andrew, have you ever met a bad Andrew? Oh, well, come, come join the Andrew Club. It's wonderful. So we've done the CMC video. And as I was saying before, relationships are a key part of, of building a great life. You know, schoolies week's coming up soon. Like some of you in grade 12, like the end is nigh. Um, I was at Ministry College. I'd done an accounting and business degree, was doing that for about 10 years, and then God said, I need you to get out of the book of Numbers and in the book of Acts. That was pretty clever, eh? It was, <laughs> but, uh, but when I was at Ministry College, I met up with a guy called Andy Goulet. We were both accountants at the time, and he had this passion to reach young people, and the two big churches, three big churches in the area got together, and we all pioneered this sort of schoolies week ministry together, which, which then morphed into Red Frogs. It was wonderful. I remember I'd get home at 6, 7 a.m. in the morning. My daughter, Katie, she was only four or five at the time. She goes, where you been, Dad? And I said, oh, schoolies week. And she said, what schoolies week? And I said, something you will never, ever know about. <laughs> and I'd just come back from New York then, and I said, look, baby girl, I'll tell you what, I'll take you anywhere in the world for two weeks, as long as you're not going to that place, Gold Coast, schoolies week. But like a good, attentive daughter, she remembered and she held me to my promise. So, um, Dad, I had to save up some shekels, i tell you what. But we, we did it. And when my son Jethro goes, Dad, where are you taking me? I said, well, wherever you want in the world. And he goes, I want you to take me to Italy. So I'm thinking, oh, more, more holiday jobs to pay for that. But this is what we did. We went to... Italy, and I believe that him and I got something to do in Singapore, so I made sure we got a stopover. And this is us in Singapore, and it's got some photos on the, on the slide. Here's us. Um, if you've been to Singapore, they've got these wonderful gardens by the bay. It's, it's quite epic. Um, massive structure, um, this wonderful uh, precinct of, um, of greenery. It's so inspiring. You've got the Marina Bay Sands Hotel. So it's got sort of three towers, it looks like you've got a big surfboard on top and you can go up there and you can have a swim and go down and have some nice food up the top. Look at this, the next one. This is from on top of that big tower looking down over this gardens by the bay. You see on the left-hand side, they've got two shells there. 
It's quite inspiring, isn't it? One, one's, um, they're two big greenhouses. One's um, got rainforest that's six or seven stories high. It's this, um, you walk in there, your glasses fog up, it's humid. It's, it's just a wonderful, it's like the conditions are set perfectly for maximum growth. And the next one over is like um, this, all these exotic plants from all around the world. Have a look at the next slide here. Look what's inside there. Have a, have, a look at, have a look at some of these plants. Isn't it just amazing? Now, now, trust me, I'm not working for the Singapore Tourist Bureau today. That's not my, my purpose. But I um, went there in there, Jethro and I went there, and then last um, this time last year, although I was on my way to India, and I stopped for a day in Singapore, and I, and I spent the afternoon here because I was so inspired by the intentionality around the engineering and then... Um, uh, after I had a coffee, I went sort of crawling through the gardens and I noticed behind there was pipes and there's air conditioning systems and they had solar panels outside and then they had uh, water filtration systems and, and they had all these sensors and monitoring. There's a control room. And I thought, aha, you can actually create environments like this if there's a blueprint, a degree of intentionality and a whole heap of factors all working together. And as I sat there, it's almost like I had this prompting, this is exactly what it's like for God's plan for new community, which is outlined in Acts chapter 2. You like the segue how I did that? And look at this verse here. And God lays out this wonderful blueprint in Acts 2, 41 to 47. And after the day of Pentecost, basically this is when the church is born, and God sets out this grand future-focused vision for what it's like for his people to live in vibrant, life-giving community like a high-nutrient, spirit-empowered greenhouse. And it says here, those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to their fellowship, to the breaking of bread into prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by all the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to everyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That is a rich and vibrant, interconnected community. And it makes me think, looking around this room, that this blueprint is actually working itself out here. You get God's people gathered together under one vision, under pastors, under local authority, and you meet on a regular basis from in temple courts here in Kedron. I'm sure you've got some small groups and some other gatherings around coffee and food. And you have this ex experience, a version of this life-giving community. In the message version, it says that all the believers lived in this wonderful harmony, having everything in common. And in verse 47, it says people in generally liked what they saw. It's a very attractive community, a very compelling community. Can you imagine every day having new people coming into your community? It says there was devotion to teaching, so there was a, an acceptance of the word of God. It says there was a sharing of, of common beliefs. They had 
a, a, an arrangement around resources and how this wonderful community was set up. There was a meeting regularly and they had this, this food component. And this, this wonderful, transforming, life-giving community that became a model for other people to follow. It, 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 it's exactly like what the Apostle Paul was saying, that you get new people coming in and they experience this level of transformation. And it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, those who become Christians become new persons. They're not the same anymore. The old life has gone. A new life has begun. God has a pattern, friend, of growth and fruitfulness and transformation for your life individually, but for us as a group of people. This powerful idea links to another passage, and it's the very last recorded words of Jesus as he's going up into heaven. It says this in Matthew 28, and it's on the screen here. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. I just used to think the Bible verse would stop there. We get water baptized and then that's the transformation process. Until I read the word of God more deeply one day, it says in verse 20, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and he promises, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. I like the water bit. I like getting wet, warm towel. If any of you had that experience, some people wonderfully receive the powerful gift of baptism in the Holy Spirit often at that moment. You get this wonderful prayer language where you can communicate with God. But it says the comma and teaching them to obey. Teaching them to obey. If we're watching a movie right now, this is where the musical score undergoes a bit funky. Some of you go, oh, what do you mean teaching them to obey? Friends, obedience, as Jesus has outlined, is a key part of this transformation process that needs to go in your life and it needs to go in my life and it needs to go in our lives together. When God, it says, when we become brand new people, God sets off a chain reaction of desire and we become aware of a range of resources in our life that, we, that God wants us to become more and more like him. You can change at a surface level. We can get some cosmetic surgery around our Christianity or God can start to do a deep work of change and transformation in our lives and it's absolutely wonderful. And I want to crack the code this morning how that works because for some of you, I'm going to have a chance to pray for some of you at the end here. Some of you are stuck on your journey and you feel like there's more, but you don't know how to get to the next stage or the next phase of your growth. This is what I found in the Christian life. It's like this upward trend, but it's upward, sometimes down, upward again, back down again and, and, and moving up. Because I don't know about you, but my life hasn't always been rosy all the way along. Now, when I'm talking about change, I'm talking about deep-level change, so much so that the inner core of who I am becomes like Jesus. I tell you when I know I've begun to change, when the very, it's like layers of an onion. It's like when deep inside me, at the very core where I decide what I want to do, when that becomes more aligned with Jesus. 
like at a deep psychological subterranean level where, where it's, it's my decision and I say, God, I want to make your decision. I tell you how it works. I'm driving one day across the Story Bridge and I feel God just doing this gentle nudge and prompts me, Andrew, like there's someone in need there. I'd like you to, I'd like to you to give them a thousand dollars, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to flush the men out of here. But, but I know this. I have this amazing ability, as it's well documented that men do, the amazing ability to justify whatever it is we want in our head. Women, do not nudge your husband or man right now. All right, this is this is just a bit of a men's moment. And as I'm driving across the bridge, I started to think, oh no, I'm. Saving that, I'm being a good steward, God. And as I'm driving around, dropping some of them, coming back, I become overwhelmed with my need for God and His kindness and His my repentance and His forgiveness in, in, in an area of my life. And as I've got this worship playlist going and God's flooding my life with His grace and His mercy and His kindness. I find myself coming back over the story bridge and it's God, it's his kindness which leads me to repentance and I come back over there and think, sure you don't want me to give $2,000, God, to that person. Something happens deep where I have an awareness deep within my inner person, within my will centre, they call it the era of conation, my volitional centre of my life, that God has done a deep transforming work. It's one thing, friend, to come here on a Sunday and we worship God together and it's wonderful in community, but God says, I want to keep layering my goodness and my grace through every area of your life. The deep areas, like layers in an onion, as I said before, God wants to do a deep, deep work for us. I know this, and we teach this at college. If anyone had done JB 104, Spiritual Transformation, you've heard me say this. There are three encounters that we need to have to activate this deep level of transformation and change in our life so that we can be part of this vibrant greenhouse of growth and our wonderful attractiveness to other people. The first encounter we need to have is an encounter with truth, with a capital T, and his name's Jesus Christ, and, and his teaching is found in the Word of God. Do you remember the first time you heard the gospel message and it pierced through and it became a truth to you and real truth and you knew it to be true? Do you remember that moment? Some of you have experienced that this morning when you got up and you spent time with God in his word this morning and the truth of God, capital T truth, washed over your life and your spirit and your soul was nourished as the truth of the word came into your heart and life. The next level is it's one thing to have truth it's nothing to be able to activate that and work it into area of your life. And that's where some of us need what I call a power encounter. We need to know that the indwelling Holy Spirit not only gives us the desire to love truth, but gives us the ability to activate and work that truth into our life. You can't do it in your own physical strength. Imagine knowing something intellectually, but you can't not have the ability to work it deep within your life to become like Jesus. That's why we need the power of Holy Spirit to be awareness of that and say, Holy Spirit, work in my life today. But he can only do that when he's given permission to do that, when we choose to partner with him. 
That's why sometimes too, and that's why I love one thing about our Pentecostal spirituality, we really believe in an encounter with God, that God is real, he is now, and the same Holy Spirit that helped David and Paul and Ezekiel, he's, he's able to help us now here, right now. The same power which raised Christ Jesus from the dead is available to us. So, oh, I went down three rabbit warrens then. The whole idea is coming back. So we have an encounter with God. At the end of this meeting, when we close it off, I'm going to hang around down here. And I'll, I'll, if you want me to pray with you and stand in agreement with you about something that's really difficult in your life, I believe that God's power and presence is here today to help push that along a little bit. For some of you thinking this morning, I'm hearing some good truth, Pastor Andrew, but today I need to sign up for a bit more power of Holy Spirit. I need someone, other believers, to stand in agreement with me to release the power of God to bring breakthrough and shift and a new level of revelation in my life. The third encounter, that was worth a clap then. I reckon that was a pretty good... No, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not tricking you. The third encounter we need to have is when truth and power come together, this is where that happens deep within our subterranean. That's what I call an allegiance encounter. And that's when we say, Jesus, I say that you are Lord, but now I know that you are Lord. And I know that my life is not my own. I've come to realise I'm in my early 50s, for those of you trying to work out my age, I've got so many opportunities in my life, so many things, but I have no opportunities really, friend, except that which God has asked me to do because my life is not my own. I am to serve at the pleasure of the master. Anything I could try and do in my own human flesh is actually the Greek word is skabala. Look it up. If you go to Bible college, Pastor Andrew will teach you that. It's just absolutely nothing compared to the affirmation and the love of my Father God. So to be like Jesus, I better go. I can see Matt's ready to push the next button on the PowerPoint. So let's go to Romans, mate. Let's go to Romans. Look at this. This is God's plan for our life. He says this, God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The Son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. After God made that decision of what his children should look like, he followed it up by calling people by name. And after them, after he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then after that, getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. For the sake of time, I'm not going to go to the next verse in the next passage in Ephesians 4, but suffice to say this, one of the things that is a result of us saying yes to Jesus and deciding to follow him and being committed to growing in his transformational greenhouse with other believers in his powerful new community called the local church, expressed here at City Lights Church, is a sense that we are to grow to become more like Jesus. And over time, there is a sense of growth and maturity and flowering and fruitfulness and faithfulness to the benefit of other people. It's a wonderful journey that God has got us on. Like this morning, Jethro, my son, said to me, he sent me an invite last night, Dad, we're going walking up Mount Cravat Mountain this morning at 6.30. 
and then we went for a swim in the pool afterwards. And I just looked at him. He is taller than me. He is handsome and he is strong. But I remember him when he was a little boy running around in Mr. Incredible underpants from Pixar. And I just remembered I fed him and nurtured him and educated him. And now he's taller than me. And I just think that is the natural order of things, isn't it? He should grow strong and he should live a better life than what his father has because he should take that generational advantage and work it with the call of God in his life, being like Jesus, and live a much better life. If, if, if he was still stuck back in nappies at the age of 21 like he is, someone would probably come to me and say, Andrew, I want to talk to you about your parenting. But there was an expectation of growth. But some of us have been around church long enough to realise that while some people have been a believer, a follower of Christ for 20 years, they've really had 20 years of the one-year-only experience and never matured. Husband and wives, do not nudge your spouse right now. This is not a moment to do that. There's a sense that there's an upward call which God's calling us for maturity and growth. Like the Singapore greenhouse, the elements are set in right, that the nutrients are right, that those plants will grow in harmony and community in the right clusters with the right nutrients and they will grow to their full expression and tourism from all around the world will come and ooh and ah at this wonderful uh, micro-community. Imagine what it would be like if all of us grew together on the blueprint and plan that God had destined for this group. For some of you, and this is no pressure, for some of you turning up today for the first time, you might have never heard a message of your growth and development is essential to the fullness of the growth and the capacity of what God is doing here at City Lights Church. Pastor Andrew tells me, the same happened when I had my own church, when you start a new four-week series, God brings new families or new people every week at the beginning of a series. Because what he's wanting to do is he's wanting to engraft them in and pull them in to the life-giving community that he's building. Everybody is needed here, friends. Did you know when you plant plants, some plants can't be planted next to each other because one will flog all the nitrogen out of the soil from the other one? So God has this way of setting people in the right community, the right house of God, the right family, so that everyone grows together under the right light, the right air quality, the right soil and moisture quality. It's just a wonderful thing. So friends, that's why I say, take, don't take church membership or commitment flippantly. God, God has got you planted in particular places, even in bad times when you feel like the shadow of another plant next to you is stealing your shade or you're stealing your sun and you're in the shade. God knows that there are other seasons where the trajectory of the sun will change and it will be your time. So this is how the devil gets in. He tries to rob this growth plan, which I'm trying to tell you about today. So God wants us to grow in maturity to become more like him. I don't have time to outline it, but one example is in 1 Timothy verse four, chapter 4, Paul talks to Timothy and says, keep doing these right things, keep nurturing your life so that others may observe your progress. There is an expectation in the kingdom that we should grow to be more like him and increasingly exhibit the fruit and character of Jesus Christ over time. For the sake of time, um, I want to show you a bit of a model, a a four-part step. And this this may help some of you. Oh, yeah, we'll do that bit there. That's right, the transformation triangle. This is something we teach in class, and some of my students may have seen this. Some of you want to know 
How is it that I grow forward to become more like God? I think you need at least six things in place. Now, because I talk to a lot of people, and because of my sort of coaching and pastoral background, people tell me their problems all the time. Like I'm a problem magnet, but I'm a good listener. But usually what I do is I listen for a moment, and what I'm doing is I'm diagnosing. I'm usually working in someone's growth what's missing, and it's usually one of these six things. These are six things that you need to be part of your community, part of your greenhouse, so you can grow to become more like Jesus. Like, number one, like, it's in the middle, community. We all need each other. For some of you, you've already got that clue because you've turned up for church today. But how many in the last 20 years of your following Jesus, how many have ever been tempted not to come to church because they don't understand you, they're not kind, they don't... Like, this, is, this is how the, the devil tries to scatter people and, and isolate them and alienate them. The amount of times you see in the Word of God one another scriptures, we've got to do this together. You cannot do the Christian life and grow well unless you're in community. That's a big idea, number one. Number two, the bottom left-hand corner, sense of mission. There's got to be some sort of sense of purpose or outward mission. That's what I love about your church. Your pastors have clearly articulated you are going after the city of Brisbane. You're going after the people who are far from God. So there's a sense of purpose and destiny. You're not sitting here for the express purpose of eating food and drinking coffee, are you? Why is it that many of you are giving you know, 10 20%, 25% of your hard-earned income or some of you are giving 10 to 15 hours volunteer a week. So other people look at you and go, that's crazy. You're doing it for the express purpose to make this community a life-giving community with a sense that's other people focused. It's wonderful. So having a sense of mission. The Holy Spirit on, on this left-hand axis here. Holy Spirit is an essential part for growth. I grew up in a church denomination when I was younger that believed that the Trinity was Father, Son, and the Holy Scripture, not the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit was like the orphan stepchild of the Trinity. So I come to realize that Holy Spirit is an essential part of helping me grow to become more like Jesus. He brings the truth alive to me, and he gives me the desire, but also empowers me to become like Jesus. Scripture on the other side. Scripture, the Word of God, is very powerful. We all need the Word of God because that brings the truth of God for a truth encounter, but it also lets us know the ways and the plans of God. You've got up here training and pattern of life. That's another way of the life that you subscribe to all your habits. One thing I love about spiritual disciplines or habits is this. I can have a desire to do something and I have a desire to go, to go somewhere or be a sort of person, you know, it's habits is what fills the gap. I can have a desire to be more like Jesus or to limit the desires of the flesh, but it's the habits, the disciplines I put in place, which is what I would call an atomic habit, which helps me bridge that to become the person I'm meant to be. Look down there, I've saved the best one for last. The bottom right-hand corner, circumstances and events. Is there anybody in this room who's never had something bad happen to them or never had pain in their life. I knew I was hanging around with the right crowd this morning. We sung a song today. What was the lyrics of that song? I wrote them down. About pain. Please yell them out, Twinkie, if you beat me, I'll race you. What was that bridge we kept singing? Was that? Yeah. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. I know this, some of the, the times I have grown to be more like Jesus is in the time of pain, 
disappointment and confusion. That's a whole message in itself. But could I say this? If you try and process your pain and your disappointment and your anxieties alone, generally you join the dots the wrong way and you end up sometimes making decisions that are quite tragic in some examples. Imagine when you bring your pain and challenge into community, people will say this, look, I didn't have exactly the same thing, but I had a similar thing was like this, and this is how God worked me through it. You know what that does? It gives you faith. It gives you hope. I too can, I can get through this. This too shall pass in some stage. And again, the enemy will try and take you out of community and try and to say that your circumstances and events are actually because God doesn't like you and tell you lies, and basically that's how people's growth gets stunted over a long period of time. You do not become the person that God has asked you to do. So often when I'm praying for people, I'm asking a lot of things is, are they in the word? Where are they at with Holy Spirit? Are they in community? I'm thinking this, are they going through a pain, a trial or a circumstance that they're trying to process on their own? Do they have a sense of mission? Do they have a sense of outward focus and purpose? Do they understand the call of God on their life, their spiritual gifts? Friends, this is a great way for some of you mature believers who want to keep helping other people and get them moving towards Christ-likeness. This is a little bit of a six-part diagnostic key for some of you. For some of you, you're right now thinking this, aha, now I know why it's making sense. I've got four working for me, but I've let two slip. Before we pray this morning, we're going to ask you to pray and we have a moment of just quiet reflection and say, God, help me with those other two things. And God may give you a key, what you're going to do this week, to strengthen those two areas so that you can continue to grow and become more like Jesus. Next thing is I've got a four-part continuum. And I, and I sort of collect this kind of stuff because I'm sort of fascinated by how people grow. The self-improvement market... There's billions of dollars there because people wanting to live a better life. In the Christian walk, here's one particular model. There's four stages of maturity in Christian growth. And for some of you, you might want to plot where you are right now because this will help us as we come to pray in a moment. There's stage one is exploring Christianity where you go this, I believe in God, but I'm not sure about Christ. My faith is not a significant part of my life. That's what I would call level one or stage one on a journey of faith. Stage two is this, where I'm growing in Christ, I believe in Jesus, and I'm working on what it means to get to know him. Level three is, I'm close to Christ, I feel really close to Christ, and depend on him daily for guidance. Number four, I'm Christ-centered. God is all I need in my life. He is enough. Everything I do is a reflection of Christ. My guess at that level four, three and four, you're starting to get the truth encounter, the power encounter and the allegiance encounter really starting to sort it. Now I know that I instantly didn't become Jesus' Lord type of guy because there's still things that God is still working in my life around lordship. You think you win in a particular area and you might slip back again. But levels three and level four is the level where God is doing a deep, deep, deep transforming work in your life and usually your life is characterised by great fruitfulness and great faithfulness. It's a wonderful stage to be in God. Next slide, just to give you a little bit more detail, is this one here. In the exploring Christianity, the bottom one, the summary is, these people are taking their first steps of spiritual growth. 
Level two, the bottom slide there says this, these early believers are growing in their faith through church experiences and are starting to incorporate personal spiritual practices into their normal routine outside of church. The third level of maturity or transformation is this. These believers report much higher levels of personal spiritual practices than earlier segments. Serving emerges as an important expression of their faith. While their devotion to Christ is growing, they still hold back from full commitment. And level four, these people have fully surrendered their lives to Christ, demonstrated by the dramatically higher levels of spiritual behaviours and attitudes across the board. They seek God's guidance in every era of their life. It's a wonderful thought. So this is what I found happens. You can be growing along nicely. You're learning about Jesus. And this is what a lot of research has said. Somewhere between level two and level three of Christian maturity, discipleship, the process of growth and transformation, a circumstance or an event in life often comes out of left field and hits you so hard that it blows and knocks the wind out of your sails. For some people, it's a loss of a job, a broken promise, a breach of trust. Somebody who you looked up to disappointed you. A divorce may come in, a loss of a child, a long sickness, and some of you are left wondering, God, where are you? I trusted you. Friends, the devil often comes in at this moment and often tries to take advantage of you if you are not in community, if you don't have trusted voices of wisdom around you. If you're not planted in God's transformational greenhouse, you become at high risk. And some people stall between stages two and stages three, and they drift in and out of church. Friends, if that's you today, after the service, I'd like to pray with you and to come into agreement to see if God wants to set you free. He wants to bring hope and he wants to heal that wound. And it's like if you've seen the movie 1986, I'm showing my age, Top Gun. Do you remember Maverick? He didn't want to fly. For some of you, getting this, this metaphor really powerful. You're not in the saddle. You're not engaged. You're off flying your own mission. You're not in unity with the people of God. People need your contribution. They need your gifting. They need your skill friend. They need you back in the saddle. We've got to be all in this together. You ever seen some patches are growing you think, it's not what it should be? Usually something's missing. Was a plant or a person who's missing who should be here? Friend, you may even want to come forward for prayer. If there's someone in your world, and you can come and stand in the gap for them today. And that's what believers do. We stand in the gap for each other. And we cheer each other on till we all become the fullness of Christ and what he wants us to be. There's another blueprint for the sake of time I won't show it on, but I've mapped out with a group of people we've done, what does level four look like around your beliefs, your attitudes, your spiritual practices, your approach to life, the way that you manage your time, your talent, your treasure. It's a whole bit of a blueprint, but I'll leave that with your pastors and they can use that with wisdom. I've worked with groups of people to say, what would it look like if we move towards level three and level four levels of transformation and maturity? What I'm trying to do today is because I've watched this church for a while and I've seen the newness and the freshnesses about it, I'm trying to set you up for a win today so that you're really clear 
about your wonderful, glorious future that you have as a group of people, but also, too, to bring a sense of reality. This is my personal responsibility within what God is wanting to do because the people beside you, friends, are depending on you continuing to grow more like Jesus Christ. God wants to use these six things, friends, to move us towards a place of maturity, to move us towards a place of wholeness, that literally the world around us can see the attractiveness of what God is wanting to do. Even today, as I've been around here just talking, I say this, how did you come to City Lights? You know, I've heard three times this morning, somebody invited me. Somebody invited me. Somebody invited me into this life-giving community. You've, a bunch of you felt confident enough that this was a safe enough place to invite your friends or people in your network who were far away from Jesus in. I reckon that is wonderful what you're doing already. I'd say keep on going. Can I pray? Let's pray. Father God, why don't we all stand? I love what Pastor Andrew got us to do before. He got us to put our hands out in front. I just want to create a moment where we're thinking about those six areas. Some of you can thank God. God, you've done such a deep work. That preacher this morning, geez, encouraged me. I can't believe how far I've come. Here's me thinking I was way behind. I'm doing better than I think. So if that's you this morning, you feel encouraged. That's an God sent me from the other side of the river to come and tell you you're doing better than you think. For some of you today, God's gently coming aside you by his Holy Spirit, just saying, I want to keep helping you. I've got more resource available. I just need more permission that I can do an even deeper work in your life and to build on to the great work that he's already started in your life. For some of you right now, you're marveling and you're wondering and your even heart is breaking for lost people who are far away from God. And you know that this church is positioning itself to reach lost people, many people far from God. And your just heart is stirred and you think, God, I'm, I'm really encouraged this morning. I can sense now I know why I'm here at City Lights. Now I know why I'm here in this local church. I'm here to make a difference. We're going to take a chunk of this city in Jesus' name. For some of you too, you're realizing this morning you're stalled and you need a fresh touch from God. You need fresh oil. You need a, a top-up of an anointing, a fresh touch of Holy Spirit. You're dry. You're spiritually dry. And you, at the end of this service, you can come down and myself and some of the team will pray with you and we'll kind of come to agreement that God will break that drought in Jesus' name and get you back growing at an accelerated level in God's greenhouse. Some of you are marvelling, God, you thank you for this great work that you're doing in this church. We thank you for our pastors and you've been called into this community, into this greenhouse for this season. God, we commit our lives afresh to you. Thank you for the resources of heaven, the word of God, Holy Spirit, community in our lives. Some of us even this morning are signing up. God, events, circumstances and pain. We're not going to run from that, but we're going to run to you. We're going to run to the darkness and see God in the midst of it and see the support of community. God, we want to grow to be more and more like you. Help us, I pray.
wonderful Saviour. Wonderful. So I'll hand it back, but I'm going to be praying down the end, at the end for people. I want to come in agreement for whatever it is you want to do in your life. Thank you, mate. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.